0: Having tough conversations is, well, really tough. If you're a manager, a part of SLT, or really run a team, you know what I'm speaking about. Being able to speak to an employee, whether it be letting them go, talking about their work performance, or really having those harder conversations in regards to anything work-related, can really be annoying and also a hard skill to develop. And one of the best ways to develop any skill is, well, practice. But unless you've been a part of an SLT team or a leadership team or been in a manager role for many years, you probably don't have the cycles and this can be uncomfortable. Today today I speak with Alleviate Labs, whose really whole goal is to solve this problem by using live actors and impromptu to really help individuals, managers, SLT, to get the cycles and to be able to deliver the information in a professional manner. Many of us have faced working with a manager where the conversation was really off-putting and inappropriate. And really, this is the goal is to solve those. You as a manager being able to bring up these conversations and really feel confident you'll be able to speak and have a conversation professionally, as well as an individual who may want better public speaking skills. Alleviate Labs is really here to solve those challenges. Today's episode, we talk about how they came up with the idea, how the co-founders met, and as well, most importantly, what it really means to create a business and grow it, and why it's so important to have a product people want to pay for. Hopefully you guys enjoy this episode learn a bit more about Leviate Labs and how they use live actors to solve a massive problem, especially with a lot of introverts, as well as really how to create a business from the ground up while really focusing on sales and testing your hypotheses. Hopefully you guys enjoy. So Leviate Labs, essentially what we do is uh, we train managers and high potential
1: employees on how to effectively handle difficult conversations in the workplace. Um, And we do that not through any like any methods of, let's like workshops or like instructional methods, but we're the practice piece. we pro- we provide the authentic, deliberate practice, and we do this through live actor simulations. So these, mm-hmm. we hire live actors. Uh, so we hire professional actors who recreate like really challenging workplace mm-hmm. scenarios, and at the end, they can they 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 practice it so many times that they're more comfortable. So when they've gone through these these mm-hmm. these simulations uh, in a safe environment. They're much more willing or much more able to do them perfectly, or much better in an in an actual environment. And so we also can analyze the data uh, and give them the uh, give them that back in in the form of a report. Um, so yeah, that's what we do.
0: And how did you get into that? I mean, obviously, interpersonal skills very important, a lot of public speaking. But typically, I guess people tend to avoid confrontation to avoid conversations. How did you find the need and kind of get that? ball rolling. Did you have HR experience? Were you managing teams when you realized, hey, maybe a lot of individuals don't aren't comfortable having these conversations or maybe don't have the practice. So how did that all start? Because I feel it's common knowledge public speaking or speaking with individuals is hard, but they're never I guess it's very difficult to kind of get that mission rolling or at least that idea rolling for the workplace. So how did you get into it?
1: Well, there's I think there's two essential reasons, and I'll let Ling speak to her side because her side is mm-hmm. much more interesting than mine. Um, and and uh, so for me personally, I was I got promoted quite quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, in when I sort of started my job, I was like 25, 26. I was project engineer for this pretty pretty large um, plant manufacturing space, and I was one of the top two three decision makers. So it was very rapidly that I got. I, I got that promotion. Um, and so I was managing people suddenly out of nowhere. A lot of these people were older than I was. Um, a lot of these people were in construction, labor workers, people that I haven't dealt with before. So a lot of times um, having difficult conversations like giving feedback or managing conflict became really, really challenging for me. Um, and no matter what I like, what kind of like books I read um, or what type of actually let me backtrack. There was also I had a manager was from alabama mm-hmm. um, he was from alabama he worked in the military um and uh, he had like tendencies like he wasn't I'm, I'm gonna soft sugarcoat this and say he wasn't always the best at uh conversing with people who weren't um of his race and so he would sometimes say things uh that were perceived by people like myself that to be uh, quite hurtful Um, And I didn't always know how to deal with that. I didn't. And the other people didn't know how to deal with it either. Like, do we go to HR? Do we, uh, how do we talk to this person, tell them this is not okay? Um, And so dealing with that, I'm just, okay, how do I, I need to learn how to manage these conversations effectively. Um, And so I started reading the books and the blog posts and all that. None of it, none of it helped. Because I, I I got the instructional piece like even though I had a formula for how to get feedback, formula for how to manage conflict, I could never really deal with the anxiety in the moment. Um, and it's it's a common problem with a lot of the engineers that we've, we we speak to, and the engineers we uh, we seek to do business with is is, or a lot of our, our learners are engineers. Um, is that they don't always have that practice. Sometimes um, it's for whatever reason. Um, sometimes a lot of like really deeply uh introvert engineers are oftentimes artistic there's there's tons of reasons for for that um but then i'm like okay so what can what can we do to help out with this like specific and really become better at handling these conversations and so i started doing my research and so in the medical space um uh to teach doctors bedside mannerisms uh, what these medical schools do is like they will hire actors and they will train them and, and so they would simulate like really like tough conversations like yeah. oh you have to tell this person that he's about to die um, and you've got to do it in a very like um calm uh, not as a very empathetic manner yes. and so you can improve your bedside mannerisms um, and they do this all throughout their degree four, five, six years sometimes um, and they and they become better at it. And and it's not even that it, it, it's it, it's and so I'm I, I at first I didn't believe that this w- this could be something. But then I actually hired an actor uh, as a contractor, and I took my fiance through the actual simulation. Um, and I'm just like, okay, you know, you tell me if this felt real. Because I'm just, I did not believe that it was going to be that real. Yeah. I'm I'm going no, this is an actor. i it's going to be in the back of my head. It's not going to be believable. Uh, but I was lucky um and she's she's still on uh she's still an actor with alleviate now after like a year and a half um and I remember this like my fiance coming out of that conversation with palms sweating like she was just like all shaken like it just giving this actor feedback in like a simulated way. it, it just she she was really thrown off by it so I'm like, okay, I know that there's something here like you actually simulate it and then give feedback around it um and so I found that to be a really powerful tool and 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 yeah, I think that's kind of where the, the, the roots of uh, the, the idea started. And I'll pass it off to Link because he has a cool story.
2: Um, yeah, so I first, when Nguyen Fetor first told me about this business, about um, simulation, I was like, it sound, I was really skeptical. Mm-hmm. And until he put me through the simulations to try the product, um, it completely changed my perception around it. Um, so I went through four simulations, which is the complete module of one of our services. As I did more um, simulations, the more realistic, the more difficult, more complicated I got. So that really made me see the value because when I was the middle manager before coming to um, Southern do my MBA, I always wondered how my um, team perceived me when I gave feedback. But of course, when I asked them for feedback, they'll be like, oh, no, it was all good. Like I did, I couldn't tell whether they're just being nice, or they're scared of providing actual Mm -hmm. feedback to me. Um, So getting the actual genuine feedback from the actors Mm -hmm. really showed me how I was being perceived. And I think that's what a lot of managers need in order Mm -hmm. to perfect their communication skills. Um, And then the other thing is, because I was working at a technology startup for a consumer Mm -hmm. product, I was working uh, with mostly engineers, Mm -hmm. So, again, as what said, very highly intelligent, um, emotional intelligence may need some work or may need some help. Um, And they provide a lot of feedback. um, And I was actually caught into Human Rights Tribunal last year or two years ago because one of the conversation went sideways. And it actually brought a very severe damage to a company because the feedback was not perceived correctly or it was not Mm -hmm. it didn't go the way as planned um so that showed me how things can really bring in unexpected impact to the business or to the person when the person don't deliver it correctly
0: yeah i i think what you touched on is very interesting because obviously um even throughout my career and through the nba as well a lot of times the actors are brought up i've done sales in the past there's always like sales training and the live simulation and I mean, you can both attest to this, that every time you go into a group of people, you're like, hey, we're gonna do some live practice, get up in front of the stage and talk. Everyone always says, this is not real. Why am I practicing this? On game day or when I'm on the call, I will never do this. I will never do this. You know, I'm 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 too good, but I know this is fake. But every single person you ever talk to goes through it says, yeah, realistically, what I said there or did there is how it act in the real situation. I think humans we always overestimate how good we are at communicating but I'll, i think we also overestimate how we think we will change in the spur of the moment like oh no no if it's a real situation i'll act different i'll be more professional i'll know i can read the situation more and i mean there's always those famous sports quotes where it's like you know everyone has a plan to get punched in the face i think mike tyson said that but it's very true and I even even in interviews i think everyone can. Come go back to an interview where you practice all the time, but just talking to yourself and you get to the interview and they ask a question. You're like, Oh, my heart's racing. I'm nervous. Uh, and you, and you leave the interview and you're like, that was such a bad interview. And you learn that to practice interview skills. For example, you need a real person. And I think it's really smart, how you incorporated actors. And I think a lot of people had a very similar view when you look at it, you're like, "Ah, uh, uh, this is just an actor. I know it's fake. I won't be my best self. But it is by far the best practice you can do. And it's also, I think, one thing you spoke about, especially with managers, I find that a lot of managers I worked with previously in my career who may be higher up or were the founder of a company, they may not get feedback because an employee saying, hey, I don't like the way you talk to me, um, never really works out, especially if you're scared for your job. So I really think that using a kind of a third party who can give it to you straight is very important. So when the so you have this idea you realize this is a problem how does it start do you start consulting for other businesses do you start bringing in actors like how does this come from an idea that you did for yourself and start kind of rolling into a more of a corporate business or at least getting some customer in mind or making at least a revenue focus in mind not to just do something for yourself but to share it with other people
1: i think the first thing the first thing uh when i first started was i had to do was i had to way i had to find a way to test the hypothesis mm-hmm. um and i like there's a tons of ways to test hypothesis like you do customer discovery interviews you do um all sorts of things right like there's there's surveys you can run like you can read research reports so validation is, is a, but by far the the greatest validation is if somebody can give you money for it uh, or is willing to give you money for it. Um, so I I think the first first within the first few hours of starting the company, I came up with or having the idea, I just came up mm-hmm. with a, a minimum viable pitch. Um, mm-hmm. And with that pitch, I just started like started cold calling. Um, I think I was on day number five of cold calling. Um, and this is my first time cold calling. I've never done this. Mm-hmm like true sales in the past this is my yeah. first time I'm just nervous throughout the whole thing um and, and and i think the one person on the friday on friday like evening at like five is my like last shot for the weekend i said okay this is maybe i'll I'll try again next week and see what happens um but the guy who picked the call and i said he's just like i'm just like oh hey do you want to do a customer discovery call all this stuff and he said he's just like i don't have time for this what's your value proposition? And I told him, so this is what we do. This is how we do it. Um, and he's just like, Oh, that sounds really cool. Um, come give me a demo next week. Um, so I, a week later I gave him the demo. Um, I said, I'm, I'm going to do it for a cheap price. Um, he loved it. And, and we closed the deal on the spot. Um, oh, wow. and so, so within the first two weeks of me starting the company, I had a sale. So I knew it was going to be, something that i was gonna do it,
0: yeah it was
1: gonna be something yeah
0: that's that is like the ideal i feel like every incubator or like university run startup program they're like you're the example I, you know get a talking customer and actually get them to pay a dollar i think that's actually the hardest step for almost every startup i've ever like really speak to they're like my idea is great i have a thousand customers who say they're gonna pay i'm like oh like do you have any money yet? No. But like when I do, they're going to pay me and everyone knows that. You know, everyone's be nice and personable until you get a paying customer. And then the real feedback comes out. And I think that is great. How in two weeks, you're like, you know what? Let me test it out. Let me try to make a sound. I think that's a really good step for most people. And I, I bet you're probably in a situation where there was like no real developed product yet. There's still a lot of work to do, but saying, hey, if I can get someone to pay for it, at least there is something here people find value in and I can keep, keep running with it. So, two great turnaround time in two weeks you you know cold call you start this journey you get a paying customer then what do you realize hey you know this is there's a change there's something here not really you're probably not really sure where you know folks are going to be but then what's what's step two now do you start looking at developing a product do you start outsourcing like how do you get the ball rolling because i feel like now you have the hunger you have the drive there are some some glimmer of hope here there's some diamond in the rough but the next step is now how do i make this a business i feel so how did that transition work
1: yeah it was it was really interesting i just i knew from a previous status experience that i i needed help and so after i i i I immediately i went in and i joined um so i wasn't in the mba program yet but you know fraser um i i asked him if i could join the 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 incubator um and he was very nice he said yeah come join and we'll see um like how you do right mm-hmm. and so if you know anything about eagbc they kick you out after like every month you say start like they, like 47 companies apply 35 get in um and then a month later you've got uh 15 left and then the month later you've got like seven left so like they aggressively filter mm-hmm. for like people or companies who who don't aren't are serious about it so i joined i joined that the NQ. that was my that was my next step because mm-hmm. i knew i just needed help um i am um, like I, I came to canada when i was 19 i don't have all the business contacts in the world mm-hmm. i don't even necessarily have a huge community um mm-hmm. apart from the the people that i've met in universities mm-hmm. um i don't necessarily don't have like people who are in the executive position yeah. so i knew that i need a community i knew i needed volunteers i also knew i need a co-founder so i think that's kind of where like the process for me starting um one deciding help with sales um doing more customer discovery um seeing if there's enough big enough so when i evaluate the problem like how big is the problem that part was still needed to be validated like how many people were going to pay you for it that part was validated validated. um
0: that, that that's actually such a great answer how many people want to pay i think is another step that also yeah. hurts to look at because there's a lot of like small problems that are very important to you or to your network but taking that humble step of saying okay i have this problem but well is there enough here to have a business to start a business to really make it profitable but more also scalable to have employees so i think that's a very unique step i think you kind of it sounds like you've done everything very like effectively very quickly like you kind of knew what you wanted to do and tested it and i think that's like a, a very good sign of success is when you're like you know what i think it's the same way of heart you said yourself hiring a actor is like there's a problem here let's try to solve it and let's just get to the root of the problem almost a little bit of engineering focus a little bit of root cause analysis Throw some sc- consulting terms in there to figure out what is the issues here and what can i solve but then is that where you, like how did you two meet then to kind of start running this business? Was it mutual connection? Like how how did that happen? Because I feel that's always a unique story, the uh, co-founding team connecting on the idea.
1: I, I, I'm going to give that one to link, but I will start off with it. it. took me a very long time to find the person who I really wanted to uh, work with. I'd, I'd gone through several rounds of like talking to multiple people. Um, mm-hmm. And it just like, I have a very just having a high bar for um, who personally wanted on the team. So that was, that was I'll give Ling, Ling this one. I think her perspective is happy, very interesting.
2: Um, so yeah, we met in the MBA program, you know, how solder divides the, the program into different periods. Um, so we were in the same cohort, basically in the first, period. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't even remember. I think Fatur reminded me that um, I think in one yeah. of the organizational behavior class, mm-hmm. there was this in-class activity and we were assigned into the same group. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was like the first two weeks where like everyone all looks the same to me. Like I was really, I don't remember people's name, um, but Fatur came up to me and he was really polite. He was like, Oh, I don't I don't remember your name. Can you please tell me again your name? I didn't know who he was. But I was just being very sarcastic and I was like, How dare you? How can you not know my name? So that was like kind of the start of the friendship. Um and then since then I was very candid every time we talk. Um he asked me to try the product as I said before. I was super skeptical. Because um, when he told me, like, it wasn't even the elevator pitch that he gave. It was just like, oh, we do it through life actor simulation mm-hmm. for a difficult conversation. Like, it, it was all HR buzzwords and that I don't relate to. Mm-hmm. But it's only after I tried the product then I mm-hmm. started to understand, oh, he was underselling the product. There mm-hmm. is so much more that people should know about it. Um, and that got me really interested. So we started a conversation. Um, and he was very nice to, to offer the, the co-founder position and yes. And we took it from there.
0: That's so funny how I feel like that's always a great story of how you just kind of meet people. And then the first week of the MBA is always funny. That's one of my better friend, my best friends from the MBA program on the first day, funny enough. I'm like, oh, he has a nice suit. It's not like, it was like, I think white or gray. I'm like, oh, that's cool. It's not just a black suit. I'm gonna go talk to him. And I think I was wearing a green jacket and he was like, oh, this guy's wearing a different color suit. I'm gonna go talk to him because he's different. I had a nice, uh, like a laptop bag. And then I Three months later, we're like, hey, why did you end up, like, sitting beside me? And we both had the same answer. We both thought we looked unique and cool. He had a nice watch, had a nice bag, and then we're like, oh, we're the same person. We, like, bamboozled ourselves, (laughs) like, we're next. This is going to be a cool person. And, yeah, we were the same and still great friends that day. So meeting story is always super interesting. So you're in the NBA now, and, you know, you have the idea, and you're trying to kind of define it and really start grow it. When you're speaking with prospective clients or kind of getting the business out there, like what are a lot of the sticking points? Is it the fact that you know, maybe similar to you, like that a lot of people don't believe that actors can help, or is it the fact that maybe organizations think they don't need help, that they're already great managers? Like kind of what are what are the, some of the common like stopping points or like mis- mis- misinterpretations or things that people aren't aware of when they trying to especially get new customers?
2: <laughs> um, we've been doing a lot of business development in the past three weeks and it was not easy it was frustrating almost um like it's funny how you asked um i feel like there are so many things that's stopping them from going forward like oh, moving yeah. to the next step um i think like the first the very common super common one is the skepticism towards mm-hmm. simulation um like a Unless you have tried it, like, I think for salespeople um, who went through the training with role play or simulation, then you have already have a much better understanding than the average um, crowd. Um, I think a lot of people, they just don't understand how it's going to work or they don't know what to expect. Um, And it's really hard to, like, relate acting back to training. They, They don't seem equal, like equivalent to a lot of people or even the HRs. Um, so I think that's one big that we need to do a lot of work on to educate people or just to show them. I think maybe that's the easier way. Um, and then the other thing is recognizing that there's a gap in communication, mm-hmm. in how they communicate to people and how people perceive their mm-hmm. feedback. Um, it's hard to let um, leaders admit that they are not the best in providing feedback or giving or leading conversations. Um, so that's always challenging as well.
0: I I think what you said there, the last part is always something I learned, especially within my industry, working within mental health and working with businesses is that a lot of times leaders, they're successful because they did it their way and they got to where they are. And, and a lot of times trying to tell them like, hey, there might be places to improve can almost, Hurt their own egos, I think, when they're like, "Well, no, no, like, I became the youngest VP at this company. I'm right. This is the way of doing it." But I think that's a challenge. I think with everyone, like, being humble is very important. But I also think with the rise, I'm assuming also, of, like, working from home in a lot of these situations, more people are. I think also like the the term everyone loves to throw around, the Great Resignation is that now employees are also not putting up with as much. Maybe because switching costs are lower, if you're working from home, you can easily apply and work from another job without having to change your life around. But I think right now, a lot of organizations are realizing, oh, what we took for granted, maybe not having the greatest uh, people and culture aspects or not having the greatest managers are now really coming under light. You know, coming under light. I think, so having a product, the product like this, I think is more important now than ever, as there is harder time retaining talent as employees are speaking up and I think just because now there's options no longer. Now you're, if you live almost any city, I can apply to almost any job in Canada now. And as long as they like me, I don't have to move, which I think is also adding a lot of pressure um, to that. So it's really unique timing now, I think with having a product like this to really have those conversations and putting a lot more light onto the ability that I think that classic saying, like people don't leave jobs, they leave managers. And I think now it's more important than ever to ensure that the managers are having great communication. Um, and I think one thing that's kind of interesting with your product is that just humans on the other side, like a lot of times I think when people think of business um, and it's always been like AI, it all has to be artificial efficiency, but humans are great at the end of the day because humans are humans and there's like a lot of intricacies. How did that, how do you pitch it to the actors? Like where do you go to them and you're like, hey, we're starting a business where you're gonna do live simulation or for the actors you speak to, is it more common? Are they more aware of this industry? Like, Oh yeah, no, you know, I do this all the time. Like, how did you pitch it to them? Do you have a few of them? Or is it just really a few people you work with when you're working with other organizations? Unmute yourself. <laughs> sorry,
1: sorry. My apologies. <laughs> um, so hiring actors is is we don't try to go for external organizations mm-hmm. um that's because if you go for a unionized organization the the, the price tag gets pretty steep pretty fast mm-hmm. um so sourcing your own talent is is quite challenging in itself um, i i I think safe to say that I got lucky the first time i I just reached out to a bunch of actors on LinkedIn um and I asked them if they were looking for a job opportunity um I pushed them the idea um they weren't necessarily sure about how they were going to do it so what i do i did for the interview phase is that i came up with a random scenario um i pitched the exact idea uh, but i also had them like do the actual thing like hey you don't have to come up with something crazy just do some improv and see whether this is something that you can resonate with Mm -hmm. um and they have mostly learned they know everybody in the industry knows somebody who does like a healthcare live actor simulation. Mm -hmm. So you can sort of make that connection. Like we're just doing healthcare live actor simulations, Mm -hmm. but for uh, managers and offices, right. So, and workplaces. So it was that, that's kind of an easier connection Mm -hmm. um, than the other side, which is the um, actual people you've got to sell to that one's the, Mm -hmm. the actors aren't the hard part Um, though. Sourcing good actors is not
0: easy. And how do you find like a good versus a bad actor? Like, because I think that's a very interesting question is that you're obviously hiring or finding people that have a skill set you may not have. How do you find the good between the bad? Is it just like typical interview styles? Or have you learned throughout these, you know, past months, like a way of targeting who's maybe better for this position than others?
1: for the for the targeting part I, I again i got lucky with my first actor and they've been the one who referred me to all yeah. the other actors um and so the quality pool has been con- not consistent i'd say because we've rejected several actors uh, when you put them through the interview and the actual scenario and if you don't give them too much structure you don't give them all the scripts um it's an, it becomes an improv skill and not every actor is great as improv mm-hmm. so if you are really great at improv. Um, you will do well in the scenario. You won't look like you're um, you're struggling as much. So, my first actor that I ever hired, she was so good at improv that I was like, we, we, it was a very believable performance. And if it's not believable, you almost go like, okay, this person may be not it. But typically, we give them two chances. So, we give them, we do the first round of um, the role playing, and we do a second round. Um, if they don't do so, just because we want to get the jitters out, some people are nervous. Um, so, improv is the skill um that you are that is that you are optimizing for so and if you can find that skill you're 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 pretty good
0: i think that's so interesting i think for a lot of people who don't know acting that like improv is a separate skill set than acting i think it's like anything else i always compare it to like when when i have friends you know I'm in the tech sector someone's like own programmer and they're like oh you can do like front end back end like uh, server structures like you can do everything they're like no 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 i am just a like Front-end develop. I'm just an Android developer. They're like, oh, can you program my iPhone? They're like, no, that is a separate skill set. And I think with acting, that's the same thing. Where, like in any arts or any in- industry, it's like finding out that there, hey, there's like different genres of acting. There's different skill sets. I think is important. It's kind of cool that I think like anything else, networking is a key to this. And like you said, mm-hmm. starting off with one good individual, kind of connecting with others is always the best way of going, and also the best way of finding great talent and kind of getting that. and looking back almost on my life funny enough i think improv is one of those skill sets i always downplayed where i'm like ah you know i don't know if i want to do improv i don't want to get on stage but everyone i've talked to or not okay i'm being a little facetious now but a lot of people i've spoken who are highly successful a lot of times they attribute it back to like oh i took acting classes toastmasters i went to like an improv class weekly and that gave me the ability to publicly speak or i did stand-up comedy stand-up comedy also seems to be another skill where it's Live interaction and really trying to go with the flow, so it's kind kind of interesting how my life always ends up going back to like t- do improv. People like learn how to communicate with people is such an important skill. So it sounds like you know you're starting to form the business, you're starting to grow it out. At what point? I guess this might be early on. Did you start realizing like, hey, you know what? This could be a real business here. We I nearly mean, really set the foundation. Was it wasn't when you were? in the program did you already realize like this is something real? Or was there a point where you started realizing like this might not be a side hustle or a hobby project. This could really be a business with employees that can really grow. Was that found early on in your head or was this a little bit more throughout the process when things started clicking?
1: I think first of all, we've, we found similar businesses, Mm -hmm. um, in other countries, um, that were relatively successful. Mm-hmm. but didn't scale. Um, Interesting. And so the challenge was almost like, so we know this, This okay, so we, we're doing our comparative analysis. Mm-hmm. Like, I think we knew that it works. Mm-hmm. And per se, like, I think the question becomes is, are the founders the right people to make it work? Mm-hmm. Um, and you've always got to look at yourself, not in the egotistical way, but like, from like an outside person like am I the right person to run this business um I think that was a more important question than um than than the fact that I knew this was business we're gonna succeed is this this whether we as in Ling and I are we the right people um to run this business right Mm -hmm. um I think because of our lived experiences we are I I think that's kind of what the important part is Uh, the other important part is could you get I think my goal at the end of the year, mm-hmm. um, and and then once after LinkJoint, joined, so there was a, okay, can we get at least two paying customers? So the first one we got in um, in January, and there was a bit of a, uh, the COVID part, and there's a bit mm-hmm. of a lull period. Um, and so I'm just like, okay, so if we can get a couple more customers, um, this might be a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and luckily well i don't know if it was luck or skill whatever it was um we did end up getting uh, a couple more customers and so paying us a good price because at the first the first time we made a sale it was more of a like a we were very we, yeah. we said okay like here's 50 70 off right and so it wasn't uh, it was barely breaking probably didn't even break even uh, i think about it um and so like can we can we now grow scalably, and can we like get customers paying a proper price for this and so that's kind of where it began so so that that needed more stuff need to be added in the product, so all that um and and what we really knew was when we got feedback from our first customer um our second sorry our second customer, our second customer was so happy with it that they were everybody was giving us testimonial, I think we had an average we had an average uh mps score of 9.6 oh wow uh, yeah so like the average was like everybody was between a nine or either uh, nine or a ten um every learner that went through it um this, this, the the ceo raved about us like he and and so and then the next one after that uh we had a 9.2 which was awesome um and then again the the the, the customer raved about us again so that's that's kind of where we knew okay this is something that's actually helping people? Um, and how do we continue to do that? Um, and I think the question now now we've got to to answer is like, can we make it scale, right? Yeah. scale? Um, and how many customers can we get, et cetera, et cetera?
0: I, I think that is a... I'm going to say it's a good problem to have, but at least I think it's a, in, from a lot of startups I spoke to, a good problem to have when you're like, hey, we're having success. How can we get more success? It's a lot better than no one likes this, how do we get people to like this? I think uh, the challenge you're facing is one that many businesses face, but also is is one that at least means like, hey, how can we get, we have some success here, how do we expand? And I do think that even in my experience is working on a lot more like, I'm not double-sided, I've worked in a lot of double-sided marketplaces or things that use humans, a lot or like networks. Um, we had the same thing, our ideas were like, hey, how can we scale this? Oh, you need more people. And then you always find a way you don't stop if there's a red light you keep going until the red light and then you figure out a solution uh, and then keep going so i think that's a unique situation where you had paying customers you had feedback which i think is great because i always found once a customer pays they have no reason to be nice to you if they do not like it they will tell you and i've worked for many startups where you love your product it's like your baby you're like this is great and then you go talk to someone they're like this is horrible and you're like, no, I worked all my all these hours on this. It's perfect. So I think, like you said, having that feedback and scores early on is so important to developing a product not only you like, but you can get other individuals or other organizations paying. So did, I guess this jumping back a bit, but this is always an interesting question is, you know that you know that business has been running a bit. Is there anything within the entrepreneurship world that you find easier than you thought it would be? And is there... A few things are a lot harder than you thought you would be before this all started.
2: Um, easier. (laughs) I think that's gonna. I like that question
0: because everyone. It's always what's harder, but what was easier? And that's always an interesting uh, answer you always hear.
2: I think um, my original expectation or anticipation is that there will be a lot of. Disagreement between the co founders. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I think it's basically a brainstorm session every day. Um, And like, despite how similar or how how hardworking we both are, there's always different Mm perspectives. So I I think that was my anticipation. Um, And um, so I think after starting uh, working on this venture full time, it is better than what I thought. are still challenges. So there are still like convincing that we need to do, but it's not as dramatic as the ones that I have observed from other channels. Um the the difficult part, I think uh we touch on so many of those already in this conversation. Um I think just the mindset switch. Um like switching from full-time corporate employee to a full-time MBA student, and then now to a full-time entrepreneur. Um, And that all happened within the past 12 months, basically. Um, So personally, I think that was a lot to process. Um, Like coming from a middle manager where I had a lot of resource in my hands, um, like for marketing, for sales, for product development, to going back to school and being um, a receiver in the class. I'm just taking a lot of new info and now I am in charge and I am making decisions for a venture which can basically decide the future of the venture, whether it survives in a month or die in a month. Um, I'm also a parent, so like with multiple roles, mm-hmm. um, it does become quite stressful sometimes. Mm-hmm. And Fatar can definitely speak to that because he sees me every day and see, he sees the, the stress level going up and down. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah
1: that's for my end that's a that's a really great one um yeah this I think yeah it's similar to what Ling said though i i I did not think that i i i just, so yeah. i've I've run done the solar founder life mm-hmm. for a while like like no, no no very little part of me was like um the the communication was gonna be so that that part I didn't have uh, but the other part was, I think the hardest part or the other, the part that's easier now that wasn't easier in the beginning, I guess that's what's, it, is that you get used to the up and the down. And so you almost expect it like you, in the beginning, I was like very stressed out because of mm-hmm. like, okay, one, like one hour you're up, the other hour you're down, one hour you're up, you're, it's like const, that, mm-hmm. that variation like really stresses you out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I now after running this for about a year and a half up though mm-hmm. half of that was in while I was in the mba mm-hmm. um so not doing it full time it was it's i've gotten used to the variation yeah um and and it's just kind of gotten easier over time um and so you're just oh, it's, it's what it is it's the life mm-hmm. i chose um and so you're okay with so you're okay with the with the with the pitfalls though, when they do come um What's hard, what's harder is sort of this st- the strategic aspect is is really like if something is not working, like at what point do you decide to make either a major pivot, mm-hmm. or because right now we have we're having those dis- discussions right now like well, how can we what are we gonna do to make ourselves scale quickly, mm-hmm. how are we gonna make ourselves sticky, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's actually like the, those those strategy questions. Like you can sometimes be paralyzed by the mm-hmm. analysis. Um, and if you are too paralyzed by the analysis, then it's almost it's it's you will never know because mm-hmm. we all like the MBAs like to think we're yeah. very very smart, right? Uh, and we're yeah. like, oh, we're the creme de la creme, or like the have mm-hmm. you ever seen like it's, if you if you don't test the market like it's it's yeah. it's it's kind of a wash right so yeah. um no matter how smart you think you are there's always a facet that you're missing um so not getting caught up in that nasty process is hard because like execution and like somebody telling you your baby's is ugly is always harder yeah. um yeah so it's it's uh it's it, that's the that's a tough part yeah mm-hmm. and sales sales is not easy i'm not i'm an engineer i'm an introvert yeah um it's the b2b especially is not yeah. simple it's quite a lot of um human human dynamics if you would yeah. put it that way like it's a lot of yeah mm-hmm.
0: that's why i actually went back to the mba so i could pivot out of sales limiting it to more of a strategy role because yeah sales Speaking of the ups and downs, like an entrepreneur, I feel like sales is the same thing where it's like, yeah, you're on, I used to do 200 calls a day and you're just like, well, just a lot of rejection, but you have to go with a smile on your face. And I think it's the same thing where it's like, just a lot of negativity and a lot of unpredictability. So that's super interesting. And I think also what you said with the analysis paralysis, I always find it interesting speaking MBAs about that because that, that is a challenging thing where you're like, okay, I'm very educated on making good decisions but how do I make a decision where there is no right answer and no one can tell you if you're right or wrong. I think that's always hard where when I worked in larger corporate organizations, like I would have an opinion, I'd submit my proposal or submit, you know, my document, and then my boss or the VP would say, yay or nay. Like I would have someone else almost fact check or I could try to show off to, Where when it came to bringing startups, I'm like, I think this works. And they're like, okay, go ahead and try it. And you're like, okay, do maybe, and you start, freaking out i think because like you you said is that like whatever decision you make it happens like it's going forward you're really controlling the outcome And i think that is a that's good to hear that you know like those highs and lows you always learn you know today you know it maybe matters five minutes now but in five hours or five years no one's going to care about it and i think it's getting used to realizing that the goods are never going to stay that good but the bad's never going to stay that bad so you just kind of have to ride it out and hopefully overall it's a positive net positive. I always. Parent, I think I read that I don't know if this was from UBC, but I always read that it's like funny enough, talk a lot about babies and businesses. It always seems like there was always good parallels. Um, is that like people always say, like being a parent's very hard. And in the moment, everyone's like, so stressful. It's I'm miserable right now. But over like a year, everyone's like, I love it. It was like happiness, like overall, they're happy. I think with startups, like in the moment you talk to an entrepreneur and they're like, This is miserable, I hate this. But then if you in five years, they're like, Greatest time of my life. It was because you just remember the good times. You always forget about the bad times. And I feel like that's a similar thing with having a family and having a business is looking back, you always, you just fought, you're always like, oh, the good times were good, but the bad times you're like, ah, eh, they were never that bad, but super interesting story. And obviously like super quick success you've had with actually getting paying customers so early on in the journey. Um, what does the next like few months, few years look like and how if people are interested? Can they get in touch and get involved?
1: Yeah, if you um, if you want to get in touch with us, we just uh, reach out to me or Ling. It's either father at alleviatelabs.ca, um, and I can put that in the chat or Ling at alleviatelabs.ca. Uh, What's your original question? That that part I uh,
0: didn't. Uh, what, and yeah, and like, what kind of what does the future look for you for you guys? Like, what does the next? I mean, five years is always hard to say, but I guess next few months, next year, possibly look like.
1: I think it's uh, right now we're hiring a sales intern, which is super exciting. Um, Or uh, we that hopefully turning that salesperson into a full uh, or at least a part-time sales role. Mm -hmm. Um, I think our KPI right now is just, um, can we get from these three, four customers that we have now, and can we we get Mm -hmm. six more? Can we get to that 10 customer uh, milestone? Uh, And then get feedback from that. And also rolling out our technology, and and making sure that um, it's received well as well. So, those are the few things that we've got going for us right now. But the main KPI, um, fortunately or unfortunately, is sales. I,
0: don't know, I always like to say, like, money, cynical as it sounds, this sounds a little bit MBA ish, like, money always solves all problems. Like, when there's money <laughs> in the door, other things can can worry about. Um, I, always, I always thought that was so cynical to working in startups, and especially when there's no revenue, you're like, Everything can go good, but if we can't sell anything, that's the big issue right now. So I think uh, sales is always an important KPI, but also I think your product very unique, but also, I, like you said, both have impacted your lives. And I really do see a need for it in the market, especially as uh, managers are a little bit more under scrutiny now being able to communicate effectively with employees due to the great resignation.